0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31 clean his clock. clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time.
1: Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown
0: Seahawks dunk Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider podcast. As we get you ready for the Seahawks matchup against the Washington Redskins, I'm Jen Mueller from the sidelines, joined by Aaron Johannes from Seahawks.com. Hello. And John Boyle, also from Seahawks.com. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm well, but you two don't sound overly thrilled or excited about where the Seahawks are right now and who their opponent is. If that's the low-key response I get, we
0: just—it's a slow build. You know, we'll be. We'll be doing Techno Thursday dancing by the end of this podcast. Yeah, it's
2: midday. I haven't had lunch. You know, I just got to get some time.
1: Okay. Maybe you haven't seen enough short shorts to practice yet to really just get fired up uh. for what's happening at Techno. By the way, before we get into games, can we say that this is a trend that is sweeping not only the team, but do you think it's got enough to maybe filter into other locker rooms?
0: I don't know. This is a unique, and I mean that in a good way, mostly, group Um you know, just the characters in here. As Pete Carroll referred to Luke Wilson as kind of the knucklehead leading this. So, you know, maybe we'll see if, if one of these players has friends on another team. And maybe, I mean, they're, they've won four in a row. So there's something
2: to be said for it, I guess. I don't know. I'm just going to put this out there. Um, This is just a wild guess. But watch out for Atlanta. Because Atlanta has a lot of great music out right now in the hip-hop industry. And they got a couple of different players and a couple of different personalities. I would not be surprised if, you know, there's something going on out there with Migos, 21 Savage, a whole bunch of different rappers in Atlanta's locker room that just takes over and they do something. So, you know, you got Dan Quinn there, similar culture. Yeah, okay. I can see it. Exactly. So if they do that and if they steal that, you heard it here first. And this is where the idea comes from.
1: Okay. Aaron, that's all on you. You'll be like the Sports Illustrated cover yeah. from – 3 years ago pronouncing the Houston Astros World Series champions Exactly, with It's on the cover. exactly it's like exactly that. It's exactly like that. Only a little different but exactly like that. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the Seahawks and their win against the Texans because while they won, it was not exactly in the way that they are used
0: to doing. No, not at, I mean, god heck of a game. So fun to watch, but it was very un in a lot of ways if that's a word and it's definitely not. Um You know, their defense struggled to get stops, gave up a ton of yards and points, couldn't really run the ball, just leaned on that passing game. But Russell Wilson played a hell of a game. His pass catchers played great. And, you know, the the defense, they didn't do a lot of things they normally do well, but they still got three takeaways and five sacks, which did play a big role.
1: Yeah, it certainly did, and Aaron, just watching that back and forth, I tend to think that while I know that conversation would have been different had the Seahawks not gone down and scored the game-winning touchdown with under a minute to play, I still think it was a heck of a game. It was so fun to watch, and I think we still would have had fun talking about it, although, be it in a different way, had that not gone our way.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think one thing that's really interesting and fun about that game is that there were so many points and there was so much going on that for me, at least, when I was watching it, I didn't really even focus on, like, okay, defense is struggling, running game is struggling. I'm just focusing on, like, hey, look, there are points coming in every single quarter. Like, there's something happening like, every five minutes. And you just keep watching that over and over as the game went on. And it was just one of those things where I was like, you know what? Before I get into to really reflecting on the game, I'm going to have to do that tomorrow. Because right now, I'm just focusing on, like, right now in this game, in this moment. And, that, and you don't get too many games like that where you're just focusing on, you know, the what's going on at that moment before you're able to reflect the the following day.
1: Yeah, it certainly was a heavyweight battle with teams matching each other in points and marching down the field, and you knew it was going to come down to who had the ball last, and that happened to be Russell Wilson, who had a career day 450 passing yards. Russell gets the offense to the line. Is he going to slam it down, or is he going to make a play? He takes the snap. He's going to look downfield. He's going to throw Jimmy Graham touchdown Seahawks Jimmy Graham on a shot right down the middle of the field are you kidding me holy catfish what a play what a drive an 18-yard play and the 12s are going nuts so John what does that mean that we learned about the offense
0: I think we learned that they can win that way when they need to they still don't want to win that way. They want to run the ball, and we're going to see them try to get that going. We'll talk about that later. It's still important to them to be balanced when they can, but it's also important to be flexible and to realize, you know, as Pete Carroll said, Daryl Bevel and Tom Cable did a good job of realizing it's not working on the ground. We're going to need to open it up a little bit more in the passing game, and, and they did it, so – again, you want to run the ball, but you got to feel pretty good about your chances if you do need to ask Russell Wilson and those weapons to get in. And this offensive line has shown over the past few weeks that they're a better pass-protecting unit than run-blocking unit right now, so that makes it a little easier to play that kind of game if you have to.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's probably a couple of different reasons for that, and I would not overlook the fact that Justin Britt was not 100%. It's harder to dig in and run block if your ankle isn't quite sure. there. And so pass blocking was an easier thing for him to do on Sunday, and then you didn't have the same pieces on the offensive line that you were going to have this week. Is there somebody new? Well, I hadn't heard. Well, it seems like, yeah. yeah no. I heard somebody there was, I mean, I kind of saw this f- shadowy figure in the doorway, and then I couldn't see anything else. The Seahawks go out and they make a huge move, and Dwayne Brown's name was mentioned even last week, right, as being a possible target. But, Aaron, how did that electrify the building when news came down that they had pulled off the move?
2: Yeah, that's big. Um, When you add a veteran guy like Dwayne Brown who's played in a similar Um, blocking scheme in Houston before he has experience with terminology and things like that that's huge I mean you just look away just from the production the fact that he's a pro baller and he's been able to have such a long career in Houston um, adding that type of veteran presence to an offensive line is is always great and you look at where you know the Seahawks offensive line is right now you have Ethan Postick at left guard um, who's a rookie obviously you have Jermaine Fetty in his second year Justin Britt is in his second year as a center and then you also uh, I mean, you do have Ode, um Abushi at right guard, who's been in the league for a little bit as well. It was in Houston actually with Dwayne, so um, there is there there are there there's a lot of things that he's going to be able to to help along with these young guys that are going to come along, and even for like Reese, who's now um, going to be uh, swinging between left guard and even uh, guard and tackle. Um, that's going to be huge for him as well because he's going into his second year. So Dwayne is a good, he's going to be a really good addition um, to help these guys on the line.
1: And as Pete Carroll pointed out, there are just some things that Dwayne Brown Dwayne Brown brings that uh, no other person really can.
2: The, the experience, though, um, it, you can't replace that. You know, you
0: you can't do anything about it if you don't have it. And and uh, all you can do is be patient. And so that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years as our guys are growing. Um, I think he'll help our guys grow, and, and he'll, he'll be a great example in time. And, and uh, Right now, I just want to get his feet on the ground and get comfortable with the system, what we're asking of him in play, and in time, I'm sure he'll have an impact on guys uh, as we move forward.
1: So when we take a look at Dwayne Brown, obviously you've got a guy who's been in the league, who has experience, he understands what he's seen, he already knows the terminology. The guys were praising him in his first walkthrough. What does this mean for the run game?
0: you would hope it helps clean up some things. I mean, you just go back and look at last week's game. The guy causing the biggest problems was the defensive end, Jadavian Clowney, lined up on that side. He kept getting in the backfield and making a mess of some stuff. So, you know, the run game falls on everybody. The backs, the line, you know, it, it's a team effort. But the one thing all the coaches pointed to this week was it started up front and they weren't, you know, they were just missing blocks, getting beat. So it's more than one guy, but that one guy's gonna make a difference, and I think you're gonna see, you know, them be able to run behind him a little bit. He's he's been a good run blocker his whole career. As you said he's he's a very large man, and uh, he's he's gonna make a difference.
1: Well, and Pete mentioned that while it does start up front, everybody bears a little bit of responsibility when it comes to that run game and what has not been working, and Pete said some of it, it just falls squarely on him. You
0: know, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll get on kind of in rhythm. I don't feel like we've been in rhythm. I think I've held them back a little bit by, by spreading it around quite a bit and trying to figure that out. And uh, so as we zero in here, uh, heading into the second half, I think, I'm hoping we're going to make some real headway. So
1: let's dive into that snap count just a little bit more, guys, as we take a look. Because he mentioned really wanting to make sure that Eddie Lacy starts getting into the flow of things. Here's what we've got. In his last game that he played, there were only six touches for Eddie Lacy, which makes it really difficult for him to get into a groove. In fact, the running back who's had the most carries in any one game was Chris Carson. In fact, he is the only running back to have more than 12 carries in a game this season. And so just the general reaction of what that does or what that doesn't do for allowing a guy to get into rhythm, guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for a running back. There's some guys who can do it, but most running backs feel like they get better as the game go on and they get touches and get a feel for the blocking in front of them, what the defense is doing. And I don't think if it does end up being Eddie Lacy, which coaches have hinted at, that he's going to be that guy this week. I don't think that's necessarily an indictment of what Thomas Rawls is doing. I think it's just you want to give one of the two a chance to really get going, and you can really only do it with one guy this week. So we're going to see Eddie Lacy, sounds like we're going to see Eddie Lacy get that chance. And, you know, it. it I think especially that style of back, that big back, who can kind of wear down a defense, if he can get those carries up and, you know, get to 15 to 20 range, I think you're going to see a lot better version of him. We We got a little glimpse of that when Chris Carson got hurt. That second half against the Lions, Eddie Lacy did pretty well. I think he finished that game with 11 carries for 52 yards, and most all of that came in the second half. So I think just getting
2: him kind of in that rhythm will help them a little bit. The Seahawks also um, have ran the ball uh, 25 times to a left tackle um this season which ranks 14th in the NFL and I think when you had Dwayne Brown on the left side of that position that could probably go up a little bit more too
1: yeah I would think so help get a little bit of push because Eddie Lacy really does need that first step so that he can get a little momentum and then start running downhill and doing exactly what you were talking about and I'm wondering if what we saw in the passing game doesn't also end up helping this because look where as I don't know that it's wrong or that it's bad or that it's it's Indifference, or it, there's a lot of different ways to look at this just because the Seahawks have always been a running team. And I know that they want to. There's a lot of benefits to that, including time of possession and how this fits in with your defense. But I don't think it's wrong or bad to know that your offense can hit on some explosive plays. And if the running game doesn't pick up until the fourth quarter, at least you know you have a way to move the ball down the field. And I'm not sure that we have always had that feeling or that type of confidence.
0: Yeah, and certainly not. Asking the offense to do what they did. I mean, Russ Wilson has obviously been really good, and he's had stretches throughout his career. But we've rarely seen games that are that lopsided, run and pass. And as you said, knowing you have that in your pocket is a really nice thing for an offense. And even if you know when Pete Carroll talks about balance, it's not that he wants it to be, you know, ten runs and ten passes every quarter and dead even whole way. It's he's fine with it being balanced because they took a twenty point lead and ran the ball thirty times in the last quarter and a half. So. It, you know as you said if if they can get it going early with the pass game and that's how they move the ball and then they kind of grind it out on the ground in the second half great
1: when you take a look at that score and everything that we have talked about and you take a look at the yards allowed by the Seahawks defense incredibly uncharacteristic for them and i've heard people talk about man the Seahawks were lucky to win that game does it bother you even if that were the case even if it was a matter of luck. And it wasn't the fact that Russell Wilson and the team executed beautifully in their two-minute drill. Would it bother you, Aaron, if that was a lucky win?
2: No, not really. I mean, I think a win is a win. Like, it doesn't matter, like, how you get it as long as you actually win. And, I mean, if you if they would have lost that game, that's I think people would have just looked at it and said, hey, such-and-such this is, this, such is on the defense or whatever. But the fact is that they won, I don't think too many people can – sit on that because I mean if you win like a game that's close like that I don't think that's something that you can necessarily just hinder on it like you just move on from you win the game and that's that you know you go to the next week because it was a great game it was it was arguably the best game of the season so there's there's not I don't think you could pull the negatives from that game with it being so good so it's just like you know what if it was like a 10 10, 10-9 game or something like that okay maybe but this is a shootout this is the best game of the year Then they won and that's how I see it. And, John, how many times have we looked
1: back over playoff years or the Super Bowl years, and you look back and early on, you're like, ooh, man, that was kind of a lucky win, and it turned out to be exactly what they needed to push them through the second half.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know how we're defining luck here, but in the NFL, there are going to be games for every team, every season, that some some bounce goes your way, some call goes your way, and it, it might make the difference in the fourth quarter. But, look, you don't get lucky and score 41 points you're making your own luck so to speak and if you know one thing went your way great but you've you did a lot in that game to earn the win and yeah you know again over the course season every team has some some things that help them out and some things that you look at and go man what bad luck that was that that kick bounced off the upright and you know things like that so yeah I like Aaron said I I look at this as that was a really fun game you want to shoot out against a really good offense and now you move on, knowing you're five and two and in pretty good shape in the n f c
1: and so how do you think the defense responds this week against washington?
2: Uh, go ahead, Amy. I think this would be really i think this is a really good game for them to bounce back and I say that I mean Washington is twenty or twelfth in pass um or in total twelfth in points I should say not in the past um but this this is the team that throws the ball more than they run it and I think this is a, an area where they are going to be able to create some turnovers just through the air. They're going to be get some interceptions or whatever the case may be. But Washington likes to throw the ball a lot, and they're good against the pass. And I think that's an area where I think they can get some turnovers. And they can get some pass rush. I mean, and the the biggest thing is obviously Washington has four of their five starting offensive linemen injured. So, I mean, I think the rest of that just kind of sets up for itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, every NFL team this time of year are dealing with some injuries. Seahawks might be without their starting free safety so you know every team is dealing with it but there's no way to say that Washington is getting kind of the normal injury luck right now it's they are in rough shape and as you said especially on that offensive line so I think in any situation this is a week the defense would bounce back strong just because that's a very prideful group Mm -hmm. and they're playing at home and teams just don't do it Houston I I mean again I think we need to give Houston a lot of credit because teams just don't come into Central Field and do that and yeah I think they would respond very well no matter who is coming in here But when you factor in that you're going to have, you know, Michael Bennett, Frank Clark, Sheldon Richardson, all those guys going against potentially a whole bunch of backups, I I do think we could see the defense do some real good things.
1: Washington head coach Jake. Jay Gruden earlier this week said that he has never experienced the amount of injuries and the severity of injuries that he has dealt with with this year's squad. Coming into the week, 13 players were questionable for the Redskins, and Jay said, look, we got to figure out a way to get at least six of them active and ready to play because you can only have seven inactives on game day. You mentioned the offensive line is a complete mess, but they're also missing some pieces on their defense. Their wide receiver, Jamison Crowder, who has been? Uh, who was one of their most often targeted wide receivers? Last game against Dallas, he's dealing with a hamstring that's day to day. So you're right. I-, I would think that this is a group um, that might um, might yeah have to bear the brunt of that Seahawks defense and their wrath this week. And you mentioned Earl Thomas. We won't know probably until game day whether he is able to play. He's been walking around fairly well on that hamstring. Of course, I haven't seen him run on it. None of us have because they want to keep him out of practice. But if he's not, I don't think that there's any sense of panic because they've got the exact guy they want backing him up, John.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were really. If you go back to this offseason in the spring when they signed Bradley McDougall, they were really excited about that sign. I mean, this is a guy who started the last two years in Tampa Bay, really good player. And it was just a case, you know, they. It, I'm not making this comparison. This is John Shire and Pete Carroll saying this. They compared it to when they signed Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill in 2013. Not necessarily that he's going to come in and have that kind of impact, but the way they valued the signing of, here's where the market is for the—here's how good we think this guy is, yet his market is here so we can get him in a relatively good deal— one reason they brought him in is what we've seen already. They thought he's a guy that can help on special teams, do some, you know, some packages come in. What they you know, kind of that big nickel look, and he's played really well in that. But the other reason is, you know, they saw what it was like to play without Earl Thomas last year for the first time, and it was rough at times. They've had to go every season, just about for the last few years, with without Cam Chancellor for at least a few games. So they they really wanted to get deeper there, knowing that. Unfortunately, the realities of this game are you're probably going to need a third guy to start at safety at some point this season. Now they got a guy, if he does start, that
2: they feel really confident in. Yeah. I, think, I think that's one, di- one thing that's really different about this year um, compared to last year with Steven Terrell is that uh, Bradley's been on the field already. They use him in different sub-packages compared to Steven, who was mostly on special teams yeah. last year. Last, yeah, This year, Bradley's been in on different packages for him, and he's been um, incorporated, incorporated in on the defensive side of the ball. So he's been familiar out there, which helps a lot.
1: Well, and he's one of those guys who's got starting experience um, that has led to over 200 tackles, 21 pass deflections, and five interceptions. So it would be nice to see him add to those totals if pressed into service this week against Washington. Let's flip it over real quick. Washington does have a defensive player that the Seahawks have got to account for Jahan because he is all over the field and making plays.
0: Yeah. Ryan Kerrigan's a guy coming in with six sacks. And I mean, he's, he's that guy, you know, we, we see almost every team has at least one of them on defense that he's kind of the guy that can just wreck a play before it ever gets going. So, you know, he they move him around a little bit. We're going to probably see him on both tackles, so it'll be kind of fun to get a good look at Dwayne Brown right away and see how he holds up against that. But yeah, it's you know we we talk about it whether it's guys on the Rams' defensive line or whoever. It's if you let that one guy and we saw it with Clowney last week to a degree. I mean, obviously the offense still got going, but if you let that one guy just end up in your backfield a whole bunch, it can screw up a lot of your offense.
1: Yeah. Any other thoughts, Aaron, on the offense and kind of what you expect to see from them on Sunday before we wrap up?
2: Um, you know what? I I think this is going to be an interesting game, just defensively. I really do. I'm. Kirk Cousins throws the ball out. Like Washington doesn't really. They're kind of like kind of similar in the sense of like which way they lean on the offensive side of the ball. They pass a lot more than they usually run it, and they've had a lot of injuries to their running backs this year. Uh, Rob Kelly is the guy I think of like, right away. So they're going to probably pass the ball a lot. And I do think this is a game where it could be, like, 18 or 21-18 or something like that. I don't think it would be a high-scoring game like last week. But I just look for Washington to throw the ball a lot. And Chris Thompson is one guy that is probably am going to look out a lot for um, because they look to him in the fly. They look to him. I mean, he leads them in receiving yards and rushing yards, so he's probably going to get the ball a lot. He has 673 for the whole year with five touchdowns. So, um, he's, he's a really interesting and, and really good young player to watch. I think they're going to probably focus him a lot more. Um, but I just think we're watching to air it out, and I think that's going to be a really big game for, uh, for the Seahawks defense.
1: Well, and in that case, weather might play a factor, and I keep checking my phone. <laughs> I don't know which, which report I want to believe. I've got one that says it's going to be 42 and potentially snowing. I've got one that says it's going to be 43 and potentially raining. Either way, if weather is, um, is present, precipitation type of weather I don't mean just weather in general right there's always (laughs) weather Um, that could impact Washington and their ability to uh, let Kirk Cousins air it out but we will be able to uh, break that down next week the Seahawks looking to extend their winning streak to five straight before going into a short week against Arizona that'll do it for this week's edition of Seahawks Insider Podcast we'll talk to you guys next week.